Welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast. This is episode number 131, and in this show recorded last month, we chatted with Henry Tabor. Henry's a young talent from around here in the Pacific Northwest with a very strong family history in rallying. We chat about his successes in both rallying and circuit racing, as well as the accident that has put his racing on hold for a bit. So grab a cold one and join us at the virtual rally pub we call the Rallycast. Well, welcome back to the Open Paddock Rallycast. I am your host, Mike Shaw, and this is the opening sound this time for the start of the Rallycast. And with me, of course, is Jeff Sandvoss, and we have our special guest, Henry Tabor. We'll start with you, Jeff, though. What are you drinking, bud? Ooh, I've got a, another fresh can of Stanley Park Brewing out of Vancouver. Sunsetter Peach Wheat Ale, de-alcoholized, of course, unfortunately for some, but great for me. Um, that that does sound delicious. Um, Henry Tabor, welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast, bud. Hello. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. Uh, what are you drinking? I have some peach lemonade with me. Non-alcoholic, of course. I mean, being 17, uh, that that's kind of, <laughs> you know, expected. It's okay. We won't hold it against you. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. There's not much I can do about it right now. Well, <clears throat> my little cork opening was... Um, because I popped open the Glen Marangi uh, Nectar Dior. Um, it's a Highland Single Mulch uh, Scotch Whiskey. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going for a little bit stronger stuff tonight, mainly because I didn't have time to uh, organize a more fancy drink of like a gin and tonic or anything. It was like, run in here, get the microphone set up, and pour me something. <laughs> That's so, fair. And I had no beer in the fridge. I don't know why I don't have any beer in the fridge right now, but i got to put a few cans in there of stuff. Um, I'll be honest, I heard the the opening noise and I thought that was just uh, Henry's phone going off with a notification. So that's <laughs> <laughs> like where we're at with, uh, with what counts as a ringtone these days. <laughs> I made sure to put my phone on mute. Ah, see? I'm, a, I'm, prof- I'm professional when I want to. This kid, he, he's, he's got some stuff figured out. Um, you, you have been, of course, around this uh, racing world a little bit since you were pretty young. Uh, so that's my really starting question is what is your actual earliest racing memory? Ooh, that's a, that's a good one. I don't know the exact date, but one of my, maybe not racing, just actually being in the car, but one of my earliest memories about being around racing, um, was the, yeah, uh, was the 2012 Oregon Trail Rally. I can't remember exactly the situation or why, but my dad was in service. Usually he drives, usually he's um, competing, but I believe my dad was in service. Um, and for anybody that doesn't know, the uh, one of the days of Oregon Trail, uh, the service park is in Dufer, which mm-hmm. has a an actual like playground in, in the middle of the service park. Yeah, it's in the city park, which also is kind of like yes. an RV park thing too. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. It's a it's it's a it's interesting, but it's cool. So obviously being, I guess it would have been six or seven at the time, you know, I wanted to go play at the playground and, you know, so eventually my dad would, uh, would take me over. Uh, well, who happened to be there, uh, was Ken Block and Leah, uh, Leah Block. And, you know, being a seven-year-old, I see another kid at the playground and uh, and I wanted to play with. So I'm not sure for how long, but, uh, me and Leah kind of got to play around in the playground, uh, while dad and Ken, you know, 
chatted about adult stuff, I guess, about rally stuff. <laughs> I don't remember the full memory, but that's one of my favorite memories that I have of rally in general, which is kind of ironic or kind of funny knowing, you know, what happened at Olympus this year, which I'm still kind of taken back by. Yeah, that was, you know, I, I know we talked about it when we were doing like the live stream and stuff, but I haven't really had you on the, mm-hmm. on the podcast to talk about it. And uh, Olympus was your... Well, that was only your second rally, right? Third rally. Third rally. Third okay, rally. that was your third one. I know that you did the Tour de Forest the year prior, which was kind of a rally, but really ended up getting what, like, two stages in before we had to cancel because of the weather. We got two stages in, and we were—I was, I think, one of the last cars. I—I I got two stages in, which honestly was probably fine. I was—I was really excited, but at the same time. You know, it was my first rally. Um, I had a lot of learning to do, and it can be a little intimidating. But you know, two stages was perfectly fine with me, and I felt I felt good enough where I was with the car, and you know, didn't need to risk it anymore. And and of course, that at least even leading up to that, at least got you. You got a recce in. You got you know the fact that you get you, you didn't actually no, we didn't get recce at Tour de Forest. Um, oh, I thought you guys got to run through in the morning. Uh, no, we did not because of the structure of the, with it being a one day event. That's right. Um, and with fire danger, they were they didn't give us recce. They gave us video recce. That's right. That's right. I remember now. Oh gosh. So wow. yeah, I'm just sitting so here first... realizing like. I'm pretty sure there was a meme about the the recce situation and the, <laughs> the stages. So I'm like, wow, I really stay up to date with just the jokes about this stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's a good way to remember, remember it, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm just going to go back on, on the meme page and just see <laughs> what was happening. Yeah. So, so what was happening there? Yeah. So, yeah, that, that was the thing is, you know, they had this uh, brand new roads on a different area. Um, not the, not the roads that are normally used by Olympus and everybody's all super excited for it. But then as the date approached, it's, this was in mid, late September. Yeah. September ish. It was still September. And I, you know, I'm a born and raised Oregonian from the Pacific Northwest here. And we really don't tend to get our first rainfalls until October. Typically we, right. we tend to get yeah. these Indian summers as we used to call them that, you know, would stretch on, you know, we, we, we'd usually get like rain in July. <laughs> um, but then like <laughs> mm-hmm. August and September would be our dry months. Right. And of course now we've been from June through September. We're now dry, but yeah, but yeah, so that's what kind of happened there. And it was hot, dry, dusty. And the, um, you know, we love Green Diamond, who allows us to use all the roads. And there's, again, a set of roads for, out there for this. And they're like, yeah, the risk now has just gotten so high. Mm-hmm. We'll let you run while it's still cool out. And that'll be until noon or one o'clock or something. Yeah, I think one or two o'clock. And we would have gotten all of the stages in. But there was, I think, an hour long delay at some point, yeah. uh, I can't remember exactly what happened, but there was a delay. I can tell you what one of the delays was. A specific, brand new competitor that didn't have any clue how to follow a route. That's what it was. Yeah. Yes. And um, since you yeah. were stuck in the back, back behind that, because they were that person was like lost. We're trying. They were trying to find where they went. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was bad. Because all of a sudden, like we thought the stage was closed, and here's this slow was it a jetta or something i don't know anyways come trump yeah step coming through slowly and you're like no yeah yeah so i kind of delayed it for everybody i remember i remember pulling up to stage one start and seeing all the fast cars there 
uh, waiting in line. And I, when we pulled up, I was like, oh, we haven't started yet. Uh, we have some time. They had done their fir- their first loop. They were waiting for us to, to do our first stage. They had already gone through once. Yeah. So I got, I was like out of the car. I was, you know, kind of, you know, taking some deep breaths, you know, getting ready. And then all of a sudden I hear my co-driver, Glenn, Glenn Ray. He says, we got to go. The, this isn't, we're not delayed. We're up next. We're, we're up. And I'm like, oh my God. Okay. Uh, let's, let's do this. So we kind of, I kind of got rushed into my first stage a little bit. And that's what the thing is like when you get a delay at first, you're, you you kind of end up not sure. Right. And so you, you kind of right. slacked off a little too much and then all of a sudden, oh shit, it sneaks up on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of what happened. Um, just rolling up and gets, you know, stretching, getting out of the car, you know, you know, shaking it off, shaking off the, the morning nerves. And all of a sudden it's like, all right, we got to go. It's like, I like, thought I had a few more minutes, but okay. Just doubled up nerves now. You're like, oh crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now it's, I'm, now it's, I'm rushed to yeah. get in the car, get belted up for stage one. Yes. That's it. It was, oh boy. That was kind of, that's probably one of the worst ways to start your first ever stage rally. Um, rushed, double nerves, really, you know, really anxious, kind not really knowing what's going on, why there's a whole line of cars um, that, sh- you know, where everybody is. But it ended out, it was fine. You know, I got through the rally, that which is the important part. I kind of took it slow and steady. I, I started to find my find my paces with the car and, you know, really de- start developing, you know, driving off-road. I think the other challenge you probably ran into with that one, it was also tour to dust. Yes. Because we just had hanging dust real bad and being farther in the back there and you're just starting out. You're just starting to follow the notes mm-hmm. and you can't really see that far. I don't remember the dust as much as the the fact that our i had never been on the roads before at least not recently because of video recce uh obviously me and glenn went through um in the hotel the night before uh he had done some notes and we went through them but it was being on the roads at the first time was was weird and i remember the i remember at some point during stage one it must have been one of the first few corners. I went a little bit too wide. Uh, I think it was like a right three. And I just came in a little bit too hot and I slid off the road. And I was like, God damn it. You know, I didn't hit anything. We got back on the road. You know, we kind of cooled out, you know, took it easy and got back up to speed. And then it was over. I guess like you doing video rec, you wouldn't also get to, to get any idea of what the roads like the surface was like other than what you've driven around or what right. you <laughs> Driving into the stage, you're like, okay, this is what the surface feels like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, idea that you've and, had so far. yeah, and you know, dry Olympus roads. I mean, when they're wet, it's slippery, but when they're dry, it's it's marbly. It's um, it's a little different. And it was like a pretty coarse gravel, right? Well, this specific one had different changing gravel throughout it. Um, we they had a whole bunch of these little bridge crossings. Like one side would have like more of a uh, a sharper like. Like, you know, they, they laid down like a three-quarter minus or something like that. And then another area might mm-hmm. have the more marbly, uh, which is more like a river rock gravel. Um, it was it was actually a pretty varied range of gravel, I think, that you ended up running into on that one. Yeah. There was, um, there was a picture that I think someone shared. Uh, and I, I just remember scrolling through it around that time of year and scrolling through Facebook. And there was a photo of, and it was the, the Audi Quattro. The, I don't think it's a real one, but it was a... Oh yeah, 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 right. It's a, a clone, whatever. 
and um, it was a photo of it tearing up through the dust, and it was it looked like some really coarse gravel with some, some deep ruts in it already. Um, and I, I thought it was just like an old photo from the Group B era. I'll be honest, it was really cool because <laughs> you're like, oh man, that's a cool nostalgic. Nope, never mind. That was ten hours ago. That <laughs> yeah, it looked like it was like roads in Greece or something. Though obviously like dusty, hot, dry. Um, but yeah, like that the road surface looked like that was a real a real challenge in itself and so, so if that was your first rally what was your second one where else did you go we did rally nevada that year and rally oh, nevada, that's right. i um, forgot about that rally nevada was a experience uh, i'll put it that way it started off with my first ever recce um we got the recce car stuck two times um in deep sand the second stage that we were running at rally nevada uh, it was, I think, like a 14-mile stage, and three-quarters of it were, uh, were was sand. It was deep sand. And on recce with, you know, the speed limits, and we we, we got stuck. It was pretty, you know... What's your recce we vehicle tried to you were keep using? It going. Uh, Ford Fiesta, uh, a great uh, front-wheel drive Ford Fiesta. My sister's Crosstrek did fine, because um, it's a Crosstrek. Right. Um, but... We have two Ford Fiestas that we use as recce vehicles. Both of them got stuck multiple times. Uh-huh. So our notes were f- not complete. That's the best way to put it. Had to copy some of your sister's notes? I don't know if we did that. That that would have been a good idea if we did do that. But I can't remember if we did. So there were times where we were going along and you know, we had no notes. It was drive what you see, which is, you know, in road racing, that's pretty pretty used to doing that so it wasn't the worst thing in the world but it was also really hectic and especially on that second stage which got cut from 14 to i believe four miles which was just as the sand was getting bad there was a turnoff that was stage end um so very thankful that they that the organizers did that um because the our front wheel drive acura probably wouldn't have made it through uh you know however many miles of sand and it didn't matter in the end because we dnf'd we we punched a hole through the oil pan uh, at some point i don't know how there's still a rock sitting in the oil pan which i find really funny for whatever reason uh, you you are a popular you're a proper um rally driver though because you just <laughs> said that well you know i got a puncture through my oil pan and i don't know how it happened <laughs> as it as it just magic definite divinity happened with uh with these uh, mechanical issues with uh competitors you, you're you're right up there with the top uh you know you, you'll hear that from all the top drivers <laughs> uh, i don't know how it happened uh-huh it's a rock it went through the oil pan. <laughs> the evidence is still in said oil pan, but yet you do not know what happened. <laughs> Maybe what I should have said is I don't know when it happened um, because uh, the Acura, my rally car, um, has a very thick uh, skid plate, like like two or three or four inches. I mean, and the car itself is a tank. So when I say I don't know... <laughs> I don't know how it happened or when it happened. I truly mean it because I don't no, know when fair. it happened that's on stage. It's just like, so funny over the years of off. doing interviews, hearing that. It's just it's just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how the car stopped. I don't know. You know, missing piston three, but I don't know how it stopped. I don't know why we're why we're DNF'd. And like the bigger and bigger your service crew gets, too, you just less and less <laughs> accountability. You just you just step, step it back. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Eventually, it gets big enough. You just pull in. It's broken. <laughs> Something broke. Y'all can fix it. I'm going to go have a Lunchable. Get some experience. Obviously, a couple of DNFs, but... Uh, well, one DNF and one um, couldn't really finish, I guess, just because of the, the, the event. Technical finish. Yeah, there we go. Technical finish. We technically finished the event. Then you go into Olympus, and that... That was going to be a full-on uh, bigger challenge. You're s- this time you're not in the family Acura. Um, the, the, no. Yeah, the RSX, yeah. Um, yeah, the RSX. You're, you're instead in your uncle's Mazda 3. Yeah, so the story about Olympus is that I was never supposed to run Olympus. At the beginning of 2023, when I sat down with my dad and I said... You know, as we're building our schedule around the road racing program, um, you know, I said I want to do one rally this year, and if I had to choose, it would be Oregon Trail. I really enjoyed Oregon Trail. You know, I think I have the best memories from Oregon Trail as you know being a kid in the service area, and so I said, you know what, I want to do Oregon Trail, and which was great. Uh, my grandfather could do Olympus and the Acura. It worked out. It, it would have worked out well. About two weeks before the event before olympus um my uncle pulls out because i think he was having gallbladder issues so there was a car there was a car in theory open there was a lot of work that we had to do to it uh as we thought it had a fuel leak we thought that there was somewhere in the fuel system it was leaking because we were filling it up um at our local gas station uh it it blew all over the place the fuel was coming out we thought that the tank was punctured or um, something along those lines. So what we ended up doing is me and one of our family friends and great mechanic, Steve, uh, who also drives triple zero, uh, we ended up cutting a hole uh, in the floor right above the fuel pump so we could access the fuel tank to see how full it was because that car does not have any working gauges. Those were probably, at the time, that was the most stressful 35, 40 seconds of holding a fire extinguisher um, of, of my life. While they were cutting that hole? Yes, while we were, while we were taking a saw to the hole, to, to right above the fuel pump, and just, I was praying that it didn't accidentally go through and cut the fuel pump or light it on fire, which <laughs> is ironic, because of what happened at Olympus. That's right. Yeah. Unfortunately. To, 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 your, to um, Larry Lemur. Um, yes. And, uh, Larry Lemur. <laughs> for, for those of you that don't know, by the way, you know, I, I just kind of just brought you on here as if everybody knows Henry Tabor and the Tabor family. And I should probably interject here a little bit that you do come from a very long line of rallyists um, with yes. your your grandfather, um, Henry Tabor. Or, sorry. <laughs> I'm saying Henry again because I'm talking Henry. Well, why don't you just talk about instead of me doing it? Why don't you tell us about your family and and all the rallying that they do? So my family has been racing rally for 25 years. Um, it started with my grandfather uh, Bruce volunteering with uh, Mark and Kristen. Mark is my dad. Kristen, my aunt. Uh, they volunteered at a rally, and my dad loves telling the story. The moment that they knew that they wanted to drive and that they wanted to compete was when a car came by 
uh, as they were volunteering on a corner and struck my dad in the shin with a massive rock, you know, about maybe maybe the size of a head. And that's when they knew that they wanted to compete. So, you know, as the story goes, or they started by sharing a car. Uh, they had bought a car uh, in, I think, 97, 98, bought a car and they were sharing it very quickly as siblings go between four siblings sharing is not a common thing that happens so the fleet quickly upgraded to two cars which then became three and it ca- and it went on and on and on until today which um, i'm proud to say that i'm a third generation rally driver uh and racing driver along with my sister it goes my grandfather bruce my grandmother uh jan uh my aunt Kristen, my uncle matt and my dad mark me Henry and my sister Madeline um, we all have rallied and there's been a few others within kind of our close family circle that have or are related to rally so there's a really common ground with all of us that we can all bond over that we can all share experiences and it's made me really thankful for where I am today growing up in motorsports and you know especially the grassroots side of things you know we don't have budgets we don't have you know the money to go spend and build a car every time or you know repair everything that happens to a car every time it breaks you know we kind of if it works it works and and it will go until it doesn't and for whatever reason a lot of our cars have been around for a while the car that i currently race uh the acura rsx has been in our a fleet of cars for 20 years. Uh, my dad drove it to the 2004 SCCA production class championship, uh, the last really? SCCA rally championship, um, including winning Pikes Peak. Wow. Larry the Lemur, or the STI, we had uh, in our family for 10 years before mm-hmm. it sadly um, decided that it was done with us. <laughs> Yes, it, it, it consumed itself. Um, it consumed itself. My, my memory for that one you were talking about, you know, being grassroots, and I, I want to interject this real quick, was the way you guys cleverly fixed things. Um, Gatorade <laughs> bottle used to yes. replace the headlight lens. Yes, um, we've had, we've repaired lights with Gatorade bottles and windows with shower curtains. That um, was the RSX, the accurate, yes, was. that was your uncle... Uh, Mark was driving it, and a rock somehow flipped up, and this thing's got a really long back rear window, and somehow it, it, it just shattered the whole rear window of that car. And then the yes. next round yes. through, I was volunteering back then. Also, next to a shower curtain out the back. Uh, <laughs> it was yes. Brilliant! I, I love you yes. guys' ways of fixing this stuff and, and keeping them going. And you know that's. We're very much some of our cars are held on by hopes and dreams and duct and duct tape and zip ties. Um, and I have no shame in saying that, you know, we don't have a crew that's as good as Super Motorsports that can replace a transmission in 13 minutes or, you know, <laughs> rebuild a car overnight. If it works, if it's a little bit broken or if there's some new damage and you kind of got to race through it, you race through it, you know. We we go with with the mantra of if it's not fun we're gonna stop doing it. And so far we haven't stopped having fun, which this year has put a real test to that. I'll I'll be honest. We've definitely yeah. we've we've had it rough, but I think there's a song out there that is what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. 
Um, and I think we are all stronger uh, after, especially Olympus, but, you know, after 2023. Yeah, so I, so I had interrupted. You were talking about your dad and, and the car, and we kind of went on this yes. little divergence here. Um, so, yeah, so uh, the, the, the STI... Um, your dad braces normally in limited four wheel drive or is he yes, open limited four? four yeah, limited no, four. it's open four. It's, it's open, open four. four. That's what I thought. Okay. The car was a bit of an oddity. Obviously it burned down at Olympus stage one at Nawatzel on Nawatzel, which I was in all honesty, when I pulled up to, to star controller to, uh, first ATC at the, uh, sawmill, and we got the news from uh, a volunteer with the radio. I was, in all honesty, I was about ready to just turn around and go home. I, a lot of emotions went through me at that point. Obviously, I knew Dad was safe and I knew his co-driver was safe, but it was a lot. You know, with our cars, we we like I said, we keep them around for a while. We keep them until they die, basically, and um, we kind of. We don't like, you know, there's always the, the saying that don't name your cars so you don't get attached to them. But, you know, names find their way to our cars. And obviously Larry the Lemur, um, named after a stuffed animal that was in the car uh, as a team mascot, uh, which sadly was also consumed in the fire. Which I think that was part of the emotions, just the car being as unique as it was. My dad described, described the car as, you know, you don't need to push it to go fast it was naturally a fast car the chassis was really good it was a great great chassis the diff controller unit the dccd had been broken for about eight years i think <laughs> oh, a, a very long time so it was a 70 30 power split so it drove like a rear wheel drive car and which makes i think my dad enjoyed a lot to be able to just really rip it around but like he said, is you didn't need to push to go fast. It if you were to back off and go sixty percent or six tenths, you're gonna go fast. If you're gonna push it ten tenths, real race car in your hands. And he loved that car and it, in our fleet for a while. But like the story goes, uh, don't name your cars because you no. get attached to them, and you go on long spiels about why they were great. Um, you know, but, you, you share so many memories with these cars, like these good moments, um, <laughs> even like the bad moments. I'm sure, you know, cutting cutting apart a, a gas tank to try to <laughs> and holding it, standing there with a fire extinguisher. You know, like if yes. something happens to that car, you're going to be thinking about, oh, man, that one time you're going to see like a fire extinguisher time. and have some have some flashbacks oh. and some start start tearing yes. up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> They, I think race cars more so than regular cars. I know some people have a lot of sentimental tie to like a, like their street car. You know, I don't know about Toyota mm-hmm. Camrys, but you know, have something. <laughs> Maybe your Corvette was a little bit special. Maybe you made out sure. with your first yeah. girlfriend in the back seat. But, uh, <laughs> but rally cars is different. I hopefully, hopefully you don't make out with your co-driver in those things. No, uh, I, I, I do not <laughs> make out those with memories. Oliver. I can, I can assure you. <laughs> That, that is not something that goes on in our I mean, car. he's a handsome man. I, I'll well, give him that. There's not even any back seats. You don't have the back seats. It's that, not a problem. That's also true. And plus, it, my car is a two-seater. You know, it, it's it's a two-door. So there, we can sit in the trunk, you know, and we can lie down in the trunk. It's 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 long <laughs> enough. Not That's not something that goes on in our car. Um, to the <laughs> disappointment to many across across the globe. 
I'm sure he's going to kill me for saying that. We, we, we were uh, talking about so the gas tank thing. It definitely had a fuel yes. leak issue. We I knew that from when uh, your brother had to pull out when he had Jeff Zershmead or your, your uncle pulled out with uh, Jeff Zershmead mm-hmm. um, as co-driver, and it just there was a puddle of fuel underneath yes. the car uh, the year prior, and it's like ah, well, there's definitely a problem here of some sort. So you found yeah. what was wrong with the car then? So that's the thing. There was never anything wrong with it other than the fuel tank. The, the gas tank was full. Okay. But we didn't know that because none of the gauges work. It doesn't have a, a working gas So it was like gauge. overfilled or something? Kept we spilling? were basically trying to overfill it and it was spilling oh, up. Okay. That's why we thought that it had a fuel leak is because it was dumping fuel all over the place when we were pumping it. But in reality, it was just full. There wasn't the only problem was us in that situation. So, which was a relief. I, mean, I guess I was other... thinking here. It's like wouldn't like the fuel filler thing. You'd you'd like the pressure or something. There's some way that you. I no. I don't. I don't know. No okay. clue. I don't know. You know, this was before we could we could self pump an organ. So, race cars no don't clue. need excuses it, for what they do. They just they do these things, and you just kind of accept it. Fair. Yeah. Gas, yeah. So that's what it does. Yes. It doesn't work with gas I, pumps wholeheartedly. Yeah. So in those two weeks, we basically we we diagnosed the issue. We we patched everything up. We got it to the point where it could drive and it would not necessarily burst into flames on stage. We had a great time in the car, me and Oliver. Oliver is a great co-driver and we worked well together very well. We really adapted to each other because that was our first rally together. Olympus was our first rally to uh, in the car. Yeah, how did that end up that you guys got together? Um. So, from what I can remember, it I met him at Ojibwe 2022, um, right. in which yeah, and your family typically sticks time. to the West Coast, and this is like one of one of the first times your family's kind of gone out, you know, farther into the Midwest to actually compete. At least it was uh, the first time in at in a least while. a decade. That's what I meant. Yes, yeah, at least a in a while. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure why we did it. I think that we just had the availability in our schedule and the budget worked out, and. We said, you know what? Why not? Let's go have some fun uh, in Minnesota. And fun was had. Um, I can definitely tell you that. But I believe it was in the the service park of Ojibwe one night. I finally met Oliver. I had known of him, and we had communicated back and forth a little bit, just you know, off and on, just about you know whatever. But I I chose Oliver because I think I needed somebody a little bit more closer to my age. Uh, no offense to Glenn, but you know. There is a bit of an age difference, and I think our personalities work better a little bit more. Uh, I think he he's really good at adapting. He one of the first things that he told me uh, was, "I'll speak your language. You know, don't worry about me getting used to your language. I will. You know, no matter if you use one through six or one through ten or plus or minuses or you know opens tightens, whatever it is, he'll use it and he's comfortable with it, which I think was reassuring to me." because I was not familiar nor comfortable writing notes. So Olympus 2023 was really my first time writing notes. Um, and it happened with Oliver. Um, and I think it went really well. And I think our notes were really solid. But yeah, so that was my first event with Oliver. It was my first national event. It wasn't in the car that I'm used to. There were a lot of unknowns going into the event. And then obviously with Dad's car deciding that it was tired of us and spontaneously combusting there was a there was a lot of emotions going through my head and like i said 
I was ready to pull out. I was ready to just say, look, I, I don't think I can do this. I'm, but I'm really glad that I didn't because those two days of rally were some of the greatest two days I've had all year and, and, or in any race that I've had so far in my career. I just, I enjoyed it. I really was, I felt good. I was having fun. We worked well together. And at the end of the day, we did well. And I think that that's, that's part of our success is that, you know, despite the fact that we were, it's the first time that we were in the car together, but we, we worked well together and I was able to, to relax. I was able to really build with him. That's, that's why I think we did as well as we did even with the unprecedented circumstances of the weeks leading up, the car burning down, and everything that goes on within a rally, all very, very unprecedented. But at the end of the day, I'm really glad that Oliver is my co-driver. Oliver's got, what, 17 rallies underneath him, too. So he's even though he's he is young, he's young like you, but he's got a lot of experience. And I feel like someone like that can also teach you a lot, too. Um, yes and improve your notes too right like you're heading out there and and even on second pass or something to be able to give you the suggestions that Mm -hmm. you might not have gotten from someone obviously i've i've only raced with kj so i've only got the 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 young co-driver experience the kj experience uh, the the kj experience the juice boxes and uh (laughs) (laughs) but uh you know that that opportunity for someone because i think oliver's done oz rally pro as well Yes, I right. believe he so, has. So he's gone and done those courses, and and you know what they they carry so many of those skills over. And as a driver, obviously, you can go and do those courses too. And it's it's I think it's a great thing for a lot of people to do to figure out that communication. But you know, having a co-driver that that can build your skills too, not just be trustworthy on the notes, but also to inspire more confidence in you to be able to improve to build up your skills as well. Is it's so nice. Mm-hmm. So and, yeah and that's and that's one of the things that i really enjoy about oliver is he's not just there to be a co-driver he's he's there to be a friend and he's there to to be constructive and but and there to help push your mental coach as well as your yes. <laughs> co-driver and yes and he does that very well he's he's an incredible person and i'm really glad that he's my co-driver and i recommend him for anybody that is looking for a co-driver potentially just not when he's with me that's don't expect him to to come to the northwest for you, you. Got if first he's dibs. coming out here it's only for me i have first dibs now <laughs> we're on a first dibs basis at this point it's like advertising but there's a condition on there there's a caveat yeah. uh, little asterisk exactly yeah there's there's uh there's fine print <laughs> come, come by me first i'll send you over to him if i'm not using him for that rally yeah i'm i'm actually his um his marketer yeah <laughs> you you hold the uh, schedule yeah i do yes <laughs> well there so one thing about olympus is there is one particular stage the last stage of the night yes where it deluged and was foggy um and again, a car you're not as familiar with you're you're finally getting a bunch of stage miles. What was that like? Again, new co-driver, but you're starting to figure out these this notes thing. It was it was weird. 
we we were dealing with just because of how we were seated and and my my rookie status uh and not having a proper speed factor so we were seated a little bit back further than i think i should have been so a lot of olympus was passing cars like physically passing cars on stage so in the midst of all the passing cars and you know all of that we come up on night stage which it was it was almost surreal it was almost it was more than a rally at that point it was about survival in my opinion it was very very interesting i was i was back down about you know you know i was going probably five tenths i was not pushing i think i didn't blink i don't think i blinked once during that stage i really what made could sure you to listen because there's people that said that their, their headlights, whether brights or not, couldn't see anything. Their windshield wipers couldn't keep up. But what was it back by the time you came through? Because conditions slight, changed slightly depending on starting position. But Right. I mean, it was definitely bad. And it was definitely... It definitely would have been not optimal. I would not want to do it again. But for me, I wasn't having as big of a problem. If anything, I couldn't see once we got off stage and we were transiting back to service that's when i had problems with vision it was so dark we were in the middle of nowhere it was you know like you said it was pouring down rain and it's a little bit eerie that's 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 the way i would describe it is the on the drive back to service after the stage the stage it was wet but i still had a bit of vision it was it still sucked and i was you know i was i was we were exhausted we were ready for some food and some bed, but the drive back from 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 the stage to service was, argue in my opinion, worse. It was downpouring much more. It was it felt dar- it felt darker. I felt like that the lights weren't doing as well of a job as they were on stage, and so for a while it kind of felt like that I was driving nowhere until eventually we got back to Shelton. Uh, and actually into town, it was it was weird. You're you're on the the roads too, and you can't use the light bars as much, which is always a little bit unfortunate. Uh, yeah, at that point, bars. we do have light bars, and we did put the light bar on for for that stage because you know at that point you know as most rallies do you know we run we run late, and as we're we're later in the field, we kind of have to we have to think about that in our strategy. So you know if uh, you know the top five cars might not choose a light bar, but me back in you know 56th, you know I'm gonna need extra lights because that's, that's an how hour big later. Of a difference yeah. that is an hour later. And so, you're, you're gonna like ration it out too, and be like, you know, how much of a difference are those guys at the front getting out of shedding a couple right. pounds versus how much are you really realistically gonna save cutting a couple right. couple pounds out? You know. Yeah, and that's and that's how. We don't really think about it weight-wise. We just usually our first instinct is if we think we're going to need them, we're going to put them on. It it it's not that big of a deal, you know. We'd rather have it and not need them than to need them and not have them. And since it doesn't really affect our performance, at least in my opinion, I don't feel like that it does. Plus, they look cool. They, always, they do always, look cool. That's like yes. one of signature it's rally things is light bars, like roof scoop. Yes, you get those two things. Any car's a rally You're, car. You have, yeah, you have a rally car in your hands if you have a roof scoop and you know a light pod. 
<laughs> Forget the suspension. That keep that stock. Everything else. <laughs> Don't need like tires. Our, like, yeah, yeah. Under you know protecting the oil pan from rocks. Nope. I don't need that. <laughs> so one thing I no- observed when I was out there was as you got more comfortable with that that car, you started to really push. And I had a little video clip of uh, you pushed a little too much um, before a kind of a ninety left um, at an at a junction, um, and yeah, you're on the wrong side of the ground to make the corner. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, just yeah, a wee bit, just, just a little a bit. bit. Came in a little hot, little hot. A little uh, bit, yeah. But but it sounds to me like you're really starting to get more comfortable of being able to push the car more and more as yeah as you felt that you knew what was going to be in front of you notes wise. Yeah, and and that moment was I I say it's purely on me. I didn't recognize how much of a downhill it was. I was kind of you know for lack of better words I was kind of in the zone. I felt you know I felt really good. You know, we were passing cars. We were we were going on on our own, and and I felt really good. And I just missed the you know the the breaking downhill in our note. So had a had a bit of panic. You know, I won't lie that that was a that was a bit of a that was a bit of a, a frightening moment. But it definitely makes the highlight real. So you know, all's well that ends well. <laughs> well, and the nice thing was is that uh, yeah, it was a nice soft berm that you ended up going into. So yes, you know, just just graze the berm. It's it's. A-okay. No harm done. Lesson learned. Breaking downhill Less- in the wet. <laughs> might be a little bit more different, difficult than you think. Huh. Crazy. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, that, that car that you've been driving, though, is you've been doing that with the front-wheel drive, um, the RSX first, and then now the, the Mazda 3. Yeah, so the Mazda was a one-off. Uh, I'm probably okay. not driving that car again. It was just because... My grandfather was in the the RSX for Olympus, which was already pre-planned. But when the Mazda opened up, I put together, you know, I I wanted to make it work. So I worked with um, with Steve uh, Perret on getting the car ready. I was I made my intentions clear and I went after it. Obviously, I, I wouldn't have been able to do it without Steve. So a big thank you to him. And yeah, he lives Steve's in Bellingham. Awesome. So when he comes down, you know, it's it's it's, it's a, a drive. Um, it's a long track. It is a Bellingham track. is, is uh, for those that don't know uh, the West Coast, uh, it is at the pretty much the border with Canada, right near there. I think it's like within twenty miles. And yeah. that's he's going all the way basically down through the state of Washington into Oregon to help fix that thing. Yes, and and he and his partner Catherine, which is my dad's co-driver, they do it pretty often. They spend weekends down working with us on our cars, and we appreciate everything that they do because, in all honesty, they they um they keep our cars running in some cases. So we and they're great people. They've been family friends for very Ever. long time. Yeah, they do great work just all around. They're part of Team Fagawi, which. Uh... Yes. Steve is, and uh, yes, we love Team Fagawi there. Some of the best uh, course opening crews that's ever been around the sport. So, yep, yes. definitely a shout out to them. And you, sorry, where I was, where I was going with the the question about asking about the cars, though, is you're driving these front wheel drive, these two different front wheel drive cars, obviously, and on gravel, but you're having a little bit more experience, at least in terms of racing experience, with a rear wheel drive spec car. Yeah, obviously, I'm assuming that neither of them, uh, your spec car doesn't have ABS, but 
No. What what it, do you find? Is, much is there anything that carries over between those the driving those two cars, or was it just a brand new lesson to to figure out how to drive the rally cars afterwards? I would say that it's it wasn't. I wasn't able to take any like drivability between the two cars in the dry. In the wet, when I'm racing the spec racer in the wet, I have found that I have been able to take some of my car control um, that I learned there into rally and kind of a vice versa. I think that, you know, in that car, a lot of car control comes with the throttle. And so being easy with the throttle, you know, uh, um, short shifting, you know, really being aware of how your car is reacting in adverse conditions. That's something that means a lot in road racing. Um, and so I've taken that over to, to rally uh, with loose surface, which I think has helped a lot. But also just general racing experience, you know, building the stamina, building the endurance of being in a car for, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes at a time, you know, dealing with something going wrong and having to to correct and having to work around it uh that's a big part of rally so i think a lot of what i've done in road racing has helped my driving in rally but i haven't really been able to take how the car drives and translate it between the two it's more about driver habits the the, the mindset a lot too like you're saying you're doing yeah. the 40 minute so the the sec races are 40 minutes between the sessions can be between 20 40 minutes but i have done some lucky dog endurance races which my sense can be two hours uh which is the max a driver can be in the car at a time so we push our stints two hours so knowing and getting to know what it feels like to be in a car for a long time being in a hot car uh with little to no relief and just having to to just keep logging laps is it's kind of similar to rally because in rally you're just you're constantly working at the car you're constantly going you can't stop mid-stage to take a break just like you can't stop mid-stint or mid-race in road racing you know because you need a drink of water you know you kind of you deal with the cards you're dealt with and that's something that i took from road racing into rally uh was you kind of just have to work with what you got and in some cases that's the worst possible circumstance but you have to make it work well, I'm sure that, um, you know, people talk about some of the longer stages at Olympus, like um, Wildcat and Nawatsal, Yes, I think, are both yes. almost like 30 miles long. Uh, not quite. Or am I getting, I getting think... to, I'm, am I mentally converting it to kilometers? <laughs> I think I you think are. Um, I, well, I, I so there is the longest version that I've seen Nawatsal run was a 28 miles, I think it is. Um, and that has been run that way for a few years. Um the way they were going to run it this year, I think it was going to be right about 20 miles. And then the other one, um, the Wildcat, I think that's right about 15 to 17 miles, somewhere in there. I believe Wildcat is 18 and Nawatsal this year was 14. Was it 14? Okay. 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 Yeah. So, so Nawatsal name is used multiple times because it goes around Lake yeah. Nawatsal, um, mm-hmm. and it's and some of the same roads are used, but it's because of this lattice work of logging roads all through there. They can kind of reconfigure yeah. it however they want. They all intersect with each other and do these different things. So th- they've got a lot mm-hmm. of flexibility to make to to do that stage in different ways um, and in different directions. So that's why Nawatsal can be kind of confusing sometimes. Yeah. But I, I know that like some people talk about those stages, like they're these big endurance stages, but I'm sure that, you know, you're, you're 20 minutes, 
20 to 30 minutes on some of them, and obviously depending on conditions. I'm sure that that, you know, coming from doing endurance racing on the road, that that kind of makes that feel a little bit shorter as well for, for a stint length. Yeah, and I think the the major difference that I found when it comes to like stint lengths between rally and road racing is that after your stint in in a road race, you get out of the car. You don't you don't have to be in the car again. You're you get you get to take your gear off. You get to chill out. You know, really, you know, in some cases, kick your feet up uh, in the pit box and chill out. But in rally, it's like you do you know, an 18 minute stage. And then it's like, all right, you got to go drive another, you know, 32 miles to the next one. There's no break in between. The only breaks that you get are at service really, which that's one of the biggest, that's one of the biggest thing that I found from rally is that, well, after an hour and a half or a two hour stint or a 35 minute race uh, on road racing, I mean, you get worn out initially, but you, you kind of, you kind of feel better, you know, as time goes on after a day of rally or after a loop of rally, it, I feel much more mentally exhausted than I do after 30 minutes or uh, two hours of road racing. You're, you're just, driving different. You're driving different corners, right? You know, you're yeah. Road, you're able to kind of get into that uh, a rhythm. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess what I was thinking is like, okay, so when you're road racing, it's you, mm-hmm. and you're you know you're focusing. You still want to hit the the right break points. You know you want to you know hit that corner at the right apex every time. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you can get into that rhythm, kind of get used to it. Granted, things change slightly. The the, the fuel starts to burn off. Maybe the car gets a little lighter. Mm-hmm. You end up having tires are starting to wear out. Things like that. So you do have to make some adjustments, mm-hmm. but, but you still have to maintain that focus because it's definitely at a higher speed overall. Yeah, but. In rallying, you've got information coming in through an intercom from somebody else, and you're also focusing on hitting those apexes that you're not going to see again until the next loop, or maybe this is the second loop and you're not going to see it ever again. And all those different things, you're watching for rocks that you have to dodge, things like that. So I can imagine the type of focus that you have to have is a little more mentally exhausting because of that. 100%. And that's, that's something that, you know, going from road racing to rally is that, I've been able in in road racing, I've been able to really build up my my endurance and my stamina and my focus. And after after a day of road racing, after, you know, maybe a total of like an hour and 15 on the track, I feel I feel good, but I don't feel great. You know, after maybe a total of an hour or, you know, an hour 45 of stages that would wear you out. Definitely. But the transit times is what can really get you. You come off a stage and you're full of adrenaline and you're just like, you're feeling insane. You just hit a massive, you know, massive stage time. You're you're feeling great. And then you take a transit and it's like, oh my God, I'm so bored. <laughs> and then you get back into it and it's like, oh my God, I'm racing. This is awesome. You get off the stage and you're like, I am a pedestrian again. And you got to switch it on and things. off, on and that's, off. Yeah, that's one of the things that I struggled with is because usually you switch it on, you leave it on, and then you switch it off, and you're done for the day in road. But in rally, it's on and off constantly, and that's something that I struggle with personally. It's just you know, staying staying competitive and keeping keeping my stamina up throughout the entire day and not burning it through in one loop, and then being like, all right. I'm done now. You know, I'm just going to cruise. You know, that's not an option in rally. So that's one of my personal struggles between the two. But I think a lot I've taken from road racing and put into rally has worked. And I think that that's that's really 
been very helpful to have just that general driving experience. You know, you backed it up at Oregon Trail. You, you'd had that amazing performance at Olympus. And I don't know if you want to talk about winning the uh, 43 Institute Award or not, but um, uh, yeah, we did that on, I, on the I live would. stream. Okay, because um, that was definitely something special, especially, of course, what happened with your family and all that at Olympus. So there was that. And then, of course, Oregon Trail afterwards. Yeah, Olympus. And the reason that I speak a lot about Olympus is just because of the award coming from a place and where I've grown up in motorsports my whole life. And I've I've been very fortunate enough to grow up kind of around, you know, the blocks and, you know, the Pastranas, the Higgins, you know, the the polarizing figures that you see and you're like, I want to be like you. You you drive the flashy Ford Fiesta with, you know, all the cool colors or you make the loud sounds uh, in, in your WRX. And it's like, I want to be like you. I want to drive like you. Being recognized in that essence for, for doing that and for that achievement, that's it's rewarding it's very it, it's validating the way that i viewed it was i feel i finally was getting validation that what i'm doing right now is correct and this is you know what i need to do the, to further my career and with olympus being as tough as it was with the changing of the conditions the you know getting into an unknown car and learning its quirks and its characteristics having my dad's car burned down passing cars you know all the small things i think on one transit we miss a corner and you know we had to backtrack a little bit you know all of those little things but also all the big things you know all the stages um everything that led up to that just was one of the reasons that i find it so incredible that the that i won the award because in in the moment i felt there was no emotion that i could describe on how i felt i just i was tired i was you know, I was out of it and I hear my name getting called and I hear Derek start to talk about things that kind of match the description of me and Oliver. It's like it's, uh, this driver's third event. It's like, yeah, this is my third event, but I'm sure that there's other drivers this, that this is their third event, too. So, you know, can't get my hopes up. You know, I hear um, got my speed factor up to 38 and I'm like, I don't know what my speed factor is. So that probably is somebody else, you know, and I hear about the family and. When I rewatch the videos of the announcement, when Derek mentions family, that's that's kind of when I knew that I think that this might be reality. And that's when it really started to hit me. And that's when I knew, I felt like I knew. My family and everybody at the event did a really good job at hiding it from me. <laughs> they all knew, yeah. Everybody knew. And I didn't. I think even Oliver was kind of in on it to an extent. So my reaction was completely genuine. And it was... It was just such an incredible time. We we fought through adversity. We fought through, you know, a roller coaster of emotions over a weekend. You know, we I probably you know, aged thirty years in stress and just in adrenaline and all of that. And finally getting to the end of the event, I remember you on the live right in the live stream at the end of the super special. I was crying. I was straight up, and I'm not afraid to admit it. I was straight up crying. I told Oliver, or he told me before we started the super the super special at Olympus, is that we can't start celebrating until we get to stop or until we get through final check in, uh, until we get back to service. You know, don't anything can happen. You know, we get through the stage, we we keep our wits about us. Let's we can't we can't get too excited because we might not make it back to service. Immediately when we cross the the red boards. All of that went out the window. 
I was relieved I had finally finished, like genuinely finished an event. It was a hard event. It was, like I said, an emotional roller coaster. But everything finally was, it's almost I was glad that it was over, but not in like, God, that was terrible. It was, a, that was so incredible. I'm so glad that I was able to live that and I was able to, to experience it. Something special happened that weekend. So, and cross, like I said, crossing the finish line and on the live stream, you know, I was straight up crying. We, I was, I was in shambles. I was tear jerked. I was all of these emotions. And so having that, then coming in second place in class and then the Ken Block award, all of that in a span of however many hours it was, plus almost not making it back to service right? with the car dying in transit from the stop control to service. The car died and we got towed back by Doug Corrado. Shout out to Doug. I love you. All of that happening in a span of how, you know, a few hours was a, a feeling that I've, I, I'm not, I don't think I'll experience ever again just because of how incredible it was. And I cherish that. You know, obviously awesome competition from you, the camaraderie of competitors getting to tow in. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just like everything right about our sport. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it showed yes, the, the, the tragedy with the uh, with the fire, um, the you know the the perseverance of the team. Um, I mean, your sister making it to the end. That was her uh, finally getting out of novice and yeah. uh, literally with suspension that was floating. Like, uh, do <laughs> yes. not jump this car because it will like fall apart. It's held together positive by the weight camber. of the car. Much, much, <laughs> very much um, positive camber. <laughs> I mean, you guys just had so much going on. And yeah, no, I, I think we all just felt like this, this moment kind of epitomizes everything about our sport that we love so much. And, and that's why it was such a, a worthy, um, award winning for you guys. And, um, so, so I guess to me though, what, what was the, the bigger experience, I guess, you know, as far as driving is concerned, what you did at Olympus or backing it up at Oregon trail where you had a much faster uh, pace out there. And all honesty, Olympus, the, and, and the award, because in my opinion, I, I mean, I look back at Olympus frequently and I watch the videos back and I watch our onboard or some of the onboard that we captured. And, you know, I watch, I watch the award ceremony back and I cherish it and I tear up. It felt in the moment, it was such a, it was such an overboard of emotions. It, it it truly was, it truly put me in a spot that I was overjoyed. You know, I I don't have the word to describe it. I just being recognized in somebody's in the name of somebody who I looked up to and on on the backbone of a tragedy. You know, not just you know not the car burning, but you know on you know Ken Block's untimely death. Losing Ken, being yeah. recognized in his name and his honor and by his family was something or is something that means so much more than I think I could ever describe. And especially coming from a rally family, you know, there's not many of us in the world and being recognized from one rally family to another, you know, that, that means a lot to me. The connection there means a lot growing, you know, growing up and experiencing rally from, but not just like, Oh, just my dad does it. You know, my whole family does it. It's a family sport. Sure is. And and being and having the Block family recognize us and recognize, you know, our our work and everything that we do, that means a lot to me. 
and that's that's part of the reason why I I get emotional over Olympus is because all of our hard work and I feel like that it goes much more deeper than Olympus, you know. All of our events, all of the nights that we have had putting cars together or the decision to do this or to do that or the fact that I was never supposed to originally be at Olympus. I was never supposed to run that event. And the fact that I went I went out like that and that we had such an event, it just all came over me. And I still I still can't believe it. So you do road racing as well. We touched on that. Um, I, I didn't really, I guess, explain to those folks that don't know. Um, you started out doing uh, road racing stuff with little quarter midgets um, around a little tiny oval yes. that's, uh, well, now closed down, I think. But uh, a little Alpenrose um, yeah. had a yeah. little uh, velodrome thing for like bicycles that also little quarter midgets would uh, race around. So you and your sister yes. did that, but then you got into, and, and we didn't mention, we just called this spec racing. Um, this is the uh, spec racer Ford series from SCCA. And you've been doing that for a little while. When did you first start doing those? So I started as soon as I legally could, which was fit when I turned 15, I didn't have my driver's license and I was legally licensed to, to compete, to compete in the SCCA, which I, which cracks everybody up every time because imagine a 15 year old doesn't have his license barely has his permit shows up and race and is racing you i I find that really funny and a lot of people find it funny too did you uh did you tell your driving instructor when you did your driving test that you've already been racing for years that they should just give you a pass i had mentioned it maybe once in driver's ed and i was like i didn't really want to to mention it because i didn't want you know, the instructor to think I'm just some hot shot, whatever, you know, some hot shot kid that just wants his license to go street race. But I kind of casually dropped it. And he's like, yeah, I, I've been out to Portland, Portland International Raceway, big IndyCar and sports car racing fan. I was like, OK, you know, this guy doesn't think I'm a lunatic. So that's pretty good. That's a, that's a good start <laughs> got to a getting lucky my license. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, got a, I got a lucky break there. But yeah, so... Racing, I uh, started in 2021, racing when I was 15, and went through SCCA licensing school with uh, Pro Drive Racing and the Spec Racer Fords. Originally, we were going to do it in a Ford Fiesta, but at the last second, I said, let's give the Spec Racer a try. And I'm glad I did. Dro- did three events in 2021, did a full schedule in 2022, and then which included a, a a region the regional championship for the class wow. which I'm very which I'm very proud of. So so which which race where, where all do you race with it um, when you're doing the the region? So the the Oregon region Oregon region SCCA is covers PIR or Portland International Raceway Pacific Raceways uh, the Ridge Motorsports Park in Washington uh, Oregon Raceway Park and there might be one or two more that I can't list off currently. You know, the tracks in the Pacific Northwest, basically, only a few hours away. You know, most of them are only a few hours away. I've been to, obviously, I've been to PIR. Uh, I've raced at the Ridge a few times. I've raced, uh, haven't been to Oregon Raceway Park or Pacific Raceways yet. I've raced down at the Thunderhill Raceway Park in California. Uh, I've raced at Laguna Seca and most recently, Road America. So, so your 2022 season in the road racing turned out pretty good. Yes, regional champion, which I th- I I'm proud of. It was unexpected. Points aren't 
publicly posted uh, until the end of the year. So you kind of don't know. You kind of have to do your own math. But I didn't know. I was presented the award completely unannounced, which was kind of funny because it, I, I sat there for about five minutes just looking at it, just completely speechless. Um, so I think 2022 went really well. I finally I led my first laps. I had my first podium. So a lot of positives came out of 2022, and I was really looking forward to build on that in 2023. And I did for a while until, until. Uh, Road America, unfortunately. I have been to Road America. Um, actually, I was fortunate enough to go to an IndyCar race uh, there, big IndyCar fan, of course, and uh, visit with some friends um, over there. And I uh, got, got to see that race course. It's four miles of beautiful, amazing, you, you know, the, the corners, the elevation changes, the it is just magnificent as far as uh, race courses from both the viewing standpoint um, and I can imagine from a com- competitor standpoint. Uh, what, yes. what does it feel like, I guess, get going there to, to a track that's, I mean, this is, they call it the, the National Park, uh, you know, the U.S.'s National Park of racetracks. Yes, I was, I was really, uh, I was a little nervous. I try not to get really nervous or excited about a race uh i like to keep kind of everything all my nerves down i try and keep everything you know calm cool collected but i'll admit i was i was pretty nervous um just even if you're not competing at the track even going there i feel is it's very it's haunting it's a track that you really need to respect because it bites mm-hmm. even as a competitor really high speeds there. it's very high speeds it's very it's you know a lot there's a lot of straightaways the corners are fast uh and you have to be precision you have to or you have to have precision you have to be on point there are very few rooms where you can make a mistake and get away with it and even you know watching as a fan uh when i was able to watch in between my races there it's a beautiful place it is an absolutely beautiful place to be when i wasn't racing i really enjoyed the scenery i enjoyed the track i enjoyed the local elkhart lake life just a very it's a very pleasant place to be mm-hmm. a lot of good history there yes and it's fun uh elkhart lake they have road signs uh that track the original road america uh layout uh when it was a basically you know a bunch of streets and so they have road signs at famous corners on the original course and you can learn a little bit about them and why they're named why they are which was pretty that was pretty fun we drove by a few of them i think three or four of them at some point and you can read all about them and it's 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 a really cool touch it really makes you feel like that you are in a racing town so 2022 was when you raced at laguna seca then as well yes and and yeah, obviously but, uh, like that's that's the the iconic track from every video game ever that every kid <laughs> grew up racing at some point. So I'm sure yeah. that that had some gravity as well driving through Corkscrew for the first time. It was it was definitely uh, an experience. I I immediately I felt really comfortable racing at Laguna. I didn't make a lot of ad- adjustments to the car. I really enjoyed the atmosphere of Monterey. Uh, mainly because it's next, you know, you know, you're next to the ocean, so it's cooler. You know, even in the summer, it's it's a little bit more. It's a better atmosphere. It's uh, just 
it's a great place to be. It's a very friendly place, in my opinion. Not that Elkhart Lake isn't. I just I really like Monterey, and I would really love to go back. Even if I'm not racing at Laguna, I think that it's a great vacation spot. You know, there's a lot to see. We did a lot of touristy stuff when we were there. But if you can combine yeah. vacation and driving cars, you know, then then that's, that's a little really bit better. Yeah, that that's yeah. But I really like Monterey, and I think. I would love to go back to Monterey uh, at some point as much as I would like. Well, I'm not saying that, you know, I want to go back to Elkhart Lake and Road America. I'm just not in a rush to do so after after um, what happened after what happened. So I guess we should probably talk about that. then. Uh, yeah, I guess the time's come. Yeah. So I unfortunately was involved in, in a major crash at Road America in June of this of this year. I was hurt pretty bad. It was a pretty serious crash. What do you remember of it? Nothing. I yeah. I don't remember anything of the crash. I can tell you the exact point that I stopped remembering, and I can tell you when I started remembering again. I know that going into the kink, we're going about 115 plus miles an hour. I was following a car that in the middle of the kink spun. Uh, the car, uh, he said that he had some uh, a bent, I think a tie rod or something something that towed out the right rear and that was his first lap going all out and with and he didn't know that he was damaged so going into kink or into the kink he spun uh and the kink is a blind corner it's a fast corner you know speeds Mm -hmm. and our spec racers that you take it flat almost flat because of the repave yeah do you lift just a little bit because of the repave that they very, that they recently did it's no longer flat and it's a very different ah. track than it was a year ago which um a lot of drivers um were saying were talking about is how different that the track actually is and how they've had to kind of relearn the track um which is something that i found interesting it's it's a very it's a it's a very weird surface in the way that it is so smooth like there's not a single bump on that racing tr- on that track it is smooth we had no tire wear the entire weekend. We we went in ready to use two or three sets of tires, and our tires don't wear very much. We can usually get, you know, let's say one good weekend out of them at operating at a really good, with a, a good level of grip. But usually after a race weekend of practice, qualifyings, and races, after that they usually start to fall away. We went in to Road America expecting to use two or even three tire sets immediately after practice started we could tell that we were not going to use more than one unless one of them was punctured or went down the tires did not wear whatsoever like the tires on my car or the remaining tires um because we didn't get all of them back are have almost no tire wear on them like they could be brand new we could put stickers on them and call them stickers again you wouldn't tell wow so the track was considerably faster i think I heard numbers around, I think, three to seven seconds faster a lap um, in our class. And I think it was there were some big, much bigger numbers in some of the downforce or the more downforce classes. Mm -hmm. So so it was fast. We were going fast. And the worst place to have a crash at Road America is the kink because it is a blind right hander that you were going at almost full throttle after a fat you know a very fast carousel that you build a lot of speed through you're you're carrying speed into it you don't lose speed in the corner and then you're going on a very long straightaway that in our cars which aren't the fastest 
race cars in the world, you know, we're getting up to 130, 135 miles an hour, which is the fastest I've ever gone in a race car period. And it's momentum driving. Cause it's not like the motors are huge in these things. So, right. And, and like I said, they're, they're, or I think I said they're very, they're small motors. They're 1.6 liter or 1.3 liter Ford motors. Um, they don't make a ton of power, but because the cars are so light, you know, that kind of balances is out. So even though we don't have, you know, three, four or 500 horsepower, we have the weight to make us go fast or we, I guess I should say the lack of. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a perfect storm. Plus the amount of cars that we had in our class in the spec racer class was over. I believe we had 75 cars that started the weekend. So 75, 76 cars in a race. In your class? In my class alone. Okay, then. Like a whole ARA field. Yeah. I mean, so imagine... You're imagine you're doing your first ever rally uh, or you're doing your first ever Oregon Trail rally, but they start every car at the same time <laughs> and you're doing stage one or I guess stage three at, out in Goldendale. And yeah. you started every doing car Dallas at the Mountain. same time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're going to we're doing Dallas Mountain with 76 cars, <laughs> varying ranges of car ability and driver ability all together. And what do you think is going to happen? I mean, that sounds super entertaining, but also dangerous. Oh, 100%. I, I would sign up to watch Dells Mountain with... That sounds like MX-5 the, Cup. The whole ARA field. That, that sounds yeah, great. It's, but. Yes, it's basically MX-5 Cup. But point aside, a lot of cars on a very fast racetrack where momentum is everything. The car in front of me lost control in the kink going 115, 116, 17 miles an hour. I was the car directly behind him. I had nowhere to go. So I, for whatever reason that I cannot remember, I straightened the wheel and I tried to go straight and hit the grass to avoid him. And I think what I was trying to do was I would go try and go straight off and then turn the wheel to miss him and like graze the safer barrier. But how in reality it happened was as soon as I hit the grass, the car did a 180 and spun backwards and hit the wall backwards, which luckily and i'm and i'm very lucky that the wall on the outside of the kink is safer barrier which absorbed a lot of the impact in a place of the car that doesn't have a lot of places for energy to go a lot of the energy from the rear which is where the engine is uh goes straight to the driver so i'm very lucky that there was safer barrier there but hit the wall i rode the wall probably about a you know a few hundred feet eventually the um the wheel snapped and i went back across the racetrack and i basically was stopped that's when another competitor coming in at you know 60 70 even 80 miles an hour was sideways and broadsided me i estimate the g-force and that impact could have been between 10 to 20 g's if i did my math correctly which i'm not known for but a lot of a lot of impact for co-drivers Yes, that's that's a co-driver thing. I'm not a co-driver. But a lot of impact was that was it. That was basically lights out. The the car in my car, the the roll or not the roll bars, but some of the side paneling and all of the side body that because it's a single seater and we're in the middle, we have about two feet of body and bars on either side of us. That two feet on my left side got completely pushed into the driver compartment. That's how hard of an impact it was. It cracked my seat in multiple places so it's a miracle that my pelvis isn't broken because looking at how the seat 
was cracked and how everything deformed, it should have broken my pelvis and, you know, a lot more. And those but, yeah. those seats that you guys are using, you guys don't have halo seats like we have in the race cars, eh? Well, we kind of do. What we have is most of the seats in the Spec Racer Ford are pla- or hard plastic bucket seats. Um, so basically, you're sitting in a tub. Uh, pretty recently, uh, cars have begun to be outfitted with uh, Butler built seat or uh, headrests. So we, so I have a headrest in the car, but it broke. It bent. the The physical metal, all of that, bent inwards on the impact. So it did a lot, and it definitely was critical in in the crash. But it did it did bend it did break my carbon fiber helmet cracked and in the impact uh there's multiple uh fractures that you can see on the left jaw so we thought that i had a broken jaw luckily i didn't my hans device broke it's fractured and it cracked there's chips the the tethers are frayed the car itself is a write-off it's 100 percent a write-off there's no doubt about it and there's nothing we can do about it it would be unethical and a waste to try and repair it, it would need it. It needs to be a new chassis. It needs a new floor. We're very lucky that the transmission, which is a new SATA uh, six-speed sequential transmission, uh, should be okay. It wasn't damaged as badly, along with the engine. That's one of the big. That's one of the big saves off the car. Was the engine, the transmission, and our Motec dash, and my in-car video recorder was is all savable it's all salvageable which i'm very thankful for because it really shouldn't be i mean i think we're all we're all thankful that the most critical part of the whole race car survived too which is yourself because yeah 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 because uh you you know i it was a big topic on the podcast last uh last time was was just the topic of safety obviously from a different angle but you know Right. It's you have all of these safety measures, the Hans, the helmet, everything. And, you know, it sounds like it all did its job. Obviously, you know, I know with with my experience mountain biking before and stuff is that helmets are meant to crack. They're meant to crack once and prevent your head from cracking in the process. So, you know, you, you, you feel sad about this, this cracked carbon fiber helmet. I know they look so beautiful, too. They feel so so nice and they cost a lot. But yeah, you know, a lot your, less your than, is, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah than reconstructive surgery to your head. Right. Yes. And so I'm at the end of the day, I'm incredibly lucky and I'm incredibly blessed to be talking to you right now because in all reality, I should not be here. I very much should should have not survived that crash. There there's a very real chance that with the injury that I had, mentally worse in it. In it and that's something that in my recovery I've had a hard time grasping because but that's just the reality. We drive race cars and and we put ourselves in in all honesty we put ourselves in danger and for whatever reason we I don't know why I don't know why I do it. I don't know why I want to get back into a race car after this. But we go out and do this dangerous thing and you know that's unfortunately sometimes the consequence, you know. Mm-hmm. It's nobody's fault things happen things break things happen but this this can be the reality and you know we've we've unfortunately seen what can happen and what what could have happened in my crash we've seen it this year and very unfortunately with with Aaron Kelly which i believe i think we're all still grieving a little bit yeah. but i'm lucky that my safety 
my safety equipment work. And I'm lucky that I'm able to share my story because, you know, like I said, there there truly was a real possibility that I, I'm not that I shouldn't be able to. And I think what we, we didn't really touch on is, you know, you're still recovering. So right. it wasn't just, OK, yeah, you're lucky that, you know, obviously these other things cracked and all that stuff. Um, but you still had major injuries. You still right. were taken to hospital and you were there in Wisconsin for how long before you could even come home? Uh, I was in hospital for six days. I was transported directly off property. The It was an eight-car crash, and six of the drivers, including myself, were sent to infield medical to be, to be examined. I was the sixth driver, and I didn't go to infield medical. I went straight off property. Because of the memory lapse that I have, I don't remember the crash. I don't remember right. getting loaded into an ambulance. I don't remember getting put on a backboard. I remember waking up in the in the ambulance and I heard that they were administering fentanyl. And I said, I think that's dangerous, but you're probably qualified. So I'll <laughs> let you do your thing. And I, I'm, I'm kidding you not. That was the first thing that I thought when I finally, you know, started actually making memories again, I guess. Yeah. As I, I was like fentanyl is dangerous and and i'm having it you know what whatever i I guess it's fine i didn't really realize what was happening until a little bit afterwards and so it was it was definitely a a a time that i was very i don't know it it was a weird time those those that time being being in the ambulance i mean you you don't you don't know what's going on right you just you're kind of in and out of it you've got these professionals around you're like okay uh Am I supposed to feel my limbs? What am I, you know, you're just kind of right. these days, right? And mm-hmm. what's oh. the future going to be? Yeah. Right. Scary. And, and I, and I wake up, you know, they're giving me the, the hard drugs and they're, they're, they're cutting my, my suit off. And, and my, one of my favorite shirts that I was wearing, I was wearing a, a Hoonigan, a Hoonigan shirt, unfortunately got cut off and, and I'm pretty upset about that, but obviously with chemical burns, you can't, you know, you have to get clothes off. You have to, make sure that you have to get you have to get under it first before it does any damage or any more damage i should say mm-hmm. so but at the end of the day uh my injuries are were like you said that it they were very severe i i have a stage three stable basal skull fracture um which is wow. basically the c1 vertebrae yeah that's a scary fractured. spot yeah it it fractured and how things are rated a uh, stage three basically is the worst kind it's you know the way the way that i i see it is that it is it's your vertebrae is almost completely done for but it's not quite so we need to be extra careful when it comes to the recovery it was you know it could have been it was very close to being uh, stage three unstable with meaning that the vertebrae is basically broken and that there's nothing it's completely separated my at head that point to my yeah. body basically as it, as my neurosurgeon called it it's basically internal decapitation as wow terrible as that sounds it's that is the that is the truth so it's it's very lucky that it wasn't and it was a stage three stable which means that things were still together not necessarily intact but together you know, we were, you know, it's still all all there. We didn't I didn't need surgery for it. We didn't need to do anything special other than stabilize it you know, because you still other wear a brace it. today, right? A neck brace. Yes, I, I still have I'm still wearing a neck brace, a uh, neck collar on 
Um, I'm wearing it until at the very least three months post-incident, which is September 24th. Um, I go in for x-rays on September 20th, and I'll finally be able to actually like take it off so that they can do x-rays, like proper x-rays of my neck and have me, you know, flex my neck, look up and look down and, you know, to see how, how, how it's healing. And, and, but I do have very good news about it is that when we did, I had a CT scan last week and the results show that the vertebrae is back together. It's, it's just not done fusing yet. It's, it is, but it is together. So it's no longer at risk of, of becoming two pieces. It's not close to being broken. It's, it's back together. It just got to heal now. Yeah. Just like any other bone type thing. It's just got to, right. The the piece have to heal back together. Um, Right. Yeah. And it's, and it's on normal course, you know, I'm healing as expected uh, with the vertebrae and my burns are, were uh, surprising doctors at how fast that they were progressing because the original thought was second and third degree burns. And with third degree burns, you don't always know the extent of their damage until weeks later because it might keep going deep and deep and deep into the skin luckily it doesn't look like that's happening and it's more it's kind of at a stopping point you know we're still we're still maintaining it we're still doing daily work on it we're making sure that it is uh, it's not getting worse but it's not so far it hasn't been getting worse i guess is what i'm trying to say which is very lucky because the burns covered you know the top half of my arm of my right arm and almost a third of my back wow. so it was it was and, and that was something serious. we didn't uh, mention is is um, part of when you you know you when you were hit that there was a crack to the to the coolant tank and um, yeah it, that, the radiator yeah. and uh, that ended up spilling onto your suit and you know right. they're good the things are great against fire uh, not against yeah. boiling liquid no it doesn't and, well, and, it wouldn't activate the nomex so all you get is just hot liquid yep. against your yeah skin. exactly it, and I was and to be fair I wasn't wearing my nomex shirt that race but it wouldn't have mattered because it no, wasn't it fire. Exactly. Nothing. I couldn't have done anything to have prevented it. Basically, nope. nothing at all. But the the burns and the burns were actually a result of the the left side is the side that I got hit on in which all the bars were pushed in, and so, and that's on the left side is where all the coolant lines run between the engine and the radiator. So what happened was when the bars got pushed in they pinched off coolant lines or the coolant mm. line that runs uh, on that left side and the pressure built and basically exploded the tank oh geez wow so yeah, well, there's yeah i think the picture on instagram that showed the the rupture in the in the reservoir right yeah and so that's where that's where the the weld broke the weld ex- uh, burst up so that's that's that was one of the failures that happened was the was the car uh, was the overflow tank exploded and to be fair to SCCA and to my team is that that is a, it was an older spec of uh, tank there is a new spec out that is that is less dependent on the welds it's more it's there's less welding so it's more of a one piece mm. so something like that can't happen again unfortunately I hadn't I didn't have that yet or yeah. I, w- I didn't have that. So it wasn't something that could have been prevented. Unfortunately, that was just something that was just a result of the incident. So 
Yeah. Whew, that's heavy though. Um, having to yeah. deal with all this and, and then, uh, yeah, get back to, you know, you get back home and you're, you now just can't get back behind the wheel yet. You, you you're itching to do it. And, uh, um, now you're just kind of, um, yeah. You, um, you're not you're not a person that I can tell wants to sit still. No, um, I've very much been I've been wanting to get back into the car, and you know I really, you know I I said earlier, you know I I cannot tell you why, because I think to any to a normal person after an event like this were to happen to them, they would probably be thinking twice about stepping back into the thing that almost did them in. I haven't thought about it like that. I've been uh, the way I think about it is that I need to get back out there and I need to prove that this isn't, you know, this isn't something that's going to hinder my career or it's going to be an issue. I want to prove that this is that I can still I can still race, that I can still compete and I can still I can still do it. And I, it might be more of me trying to prove to myself that I didn't lose it in the crash. And but I want I want to get back out there. There's nothing mentally that is telling me that I shouldn't. It's all, it's all, it's all go go go. Obviously, I can't do that. And as I've been recovering and healing, I've I've understood that I can't, I can't rush this. This is not something that I can, you know, I can't say, all right, well, it's back together. Let's take the collar off and you know, get me a helmet. You know, I'm I, I'm going to be very cautious, and I know that things take time and especially something like this it definitely and it definitely will take time and i'm not going to rush it and i don't want to try try and rush it as much as i want to be back racing and as much as i want to get back into a rally car or back into a spec racer ford or back into whatever car you know even a street car you know i know that i can't i can't i can't do it until i get the clear and that's something i've made peace with and i know that i need to i need to i need to wait i'm not good at waiting I don't have the greatest patience in the world, but I need to wait. And that's that's the bottom line. And I'm okay with that. Oh, sitting at home and obviously sitting there with a, a neck brace and not being able to do as much. Have you at least been able to do some dirt rallies? Some, I, yes. I don't know. Do you do iRacing? Do you do any of that stuff, I, obviously, I've, for road racing? Uh, I've dabbled into iRacing a little bit. I don't do a lot of online racing anymore, um, mainly just because I don't know. Uh, I've had a lot of problems with my internet in the past, um, so I don't want to have my internet become a problem. So I don't do a lot of online stuff. But you know, I free, um, I dabble into iRacing. I do dirt rally. I do a lot of offline simulator um, games, and I've been doing that as a way to fill my time. Obviously, it doesn't put stress or much stress on my neck. It doesn't. Uh, I'm not feeling the G forces, and I'm not feeling any of that. Um, not the same thrill, but not the same thrill. It's not the same, but it's okay because I'm more I'm more focused on being being healthy and being ready to get back into the car and taking the time to do that. So and, that's uh, kind of my life. Well, you you know you said earlier, what doesn't kill you makes you th- stronger. So coming out of this thing, it's like I was doing two race series before. Step it up to three mm-hmm. next time. Rally, <laughs> SCCA. You're talking about racing a, a Porsche Cup car. Just, just keep stacking them up. Yeah, that's I, I have some I have some interesting opportunities coming up. One of the things that I really want to do, and it's completely irrational, and I cannot tell you exactly why I have 
the desire to do this, but I want to do. I want to get behind the wheel of a stock car. I would love to do Ooh. that in 2024. I've followed NASCAR for a very long time. I find it very interesting. I like. I like. Um, there's something about wheeling a very heavy race car around a road course that I find appealing. That's neat that we've One got day. the Xfinity cars that are coming here now. So um, you get to I'm, see those up close. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that, and I love seeing them come uh, and and tackle Portland. And I'm I've been very um, aware of kind of what the rest of the NASCAR community has been saying about Portland and the and the racetrack, and especially being up north. You know, NASCAR kind of has the the down south stereotype. You know the the good old boys uh you know down in alabama with or in daytona uh in florida but i really enjoy that they're they're trying to uh come up into the west coast and then the northwest i think that there is a, a market up here for stock car racing i think that it's something that people and en- will enjoy once they see it and having them come to pir is something that i think is overdue but i'm very glad that it happens that it's happening now and if i ever do get a get a chance at a stock car like i'd love to to go to the arca series i'd love to to one day make a start at pir in the arca series that's that's my goal and i'm glad that they go to portland because that's where i would want to do it i feel like i would have a have a um have a good shot at you know being competitive and and you know shaking things up a little bit but i also know that can't just step into a car and be good so one day i want to to make a make a start and i want to work with stock cars but right now is not that time obviously right now is time for for rest i wouldn't say relaxation because i'm not doing a whole lot of that kicking it back i'm i'm laying low uh but i also enjoyed the opportunity to come on uh, the podcast and you know kind of make my first real public statement about the crash and and talk about it uh, kind of in a neutral zone and be able to to talk about it and and you know for the first time since it happened and be vocal and talk about my progress and recovering and also talk about some of the realities that were that I'm facing and that I've faced recently but everything just very is life comes at you quick yeah and Sometimes, you know, you just need to force or not, you need to stop and look around for a while. Unfortunately, I've been forced to stop and look around, but that's A-OK with me. You know, that's that's a good way to look at it. And uh, because you've gotten, you know, a, a start at such a young age, you still have lots of opportunity ahead of you. One of the guys that uh, I know that you've you know, been around the, the racing community in the Portland area that I used to do some side work for many years ago uh, is uh, we mentioned before we were talking, his name's Ken Sutherland, and he's you know yes. done spec Miata racing and stuff like that. And very talented driver. But I mean, he wasn't doing this stuff until he was like, late 30s 40 i mean he, he wasn't doing this since he was well he was a kid right he did it much later in life and he's become uh, at least regionally very successful and got to drive some really cool cars and um yes. and i think now he's doing he's doing the trans am circuit i think it is is he doing arca too i don't think Arca, but yeah, i think he was doing trans am i think last i saw but i mean yeah so yeah you've got you've got a lot of a lot of stuff you can do i was, I was joking gonna say you know w- what do you want to be when you grow up but um I know your dad, and he still hasn't grown up. So, oh, uh, yeah, he's 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 not growing up anytime soon. I can tell you that. Um, you know, it took him 
four days after burning down one rally car to start the next build on another rally car. <laughs> That's a so saver for you. I said a week. I said a week. I personally said it will take him a week, and then we're going to buy another car. Took less time than that, but that's I'm totally fine losing that bet, you know, <laughs> especially because of his his plans for next year. And and it turns out that the car burning down may have been a blessing in disguise when it comes to this build, because we would have been very behind on it um, if we were to start, let's say, you know, in the past month. Uh, we've been working on this car since April, since we bought it. Um, and it's really starting to sh- take form um, to, to take shape. We've recently got it caged. Um, you know, it, it's going to be a, he's going to have a really, a really fun year next year, uh, running the national circuit with, uh, chasing a, a 20th anniversary championship, um, and limited to, yeah, going for the two wheel drive, yeah. which I'm really excited. You know, the car that, uh, we picked up, uh, you know, a 2018 Ford Fiesta, uh, I was fortunate enough before we took it apart, got it caged. I was able to drive it a few times, and it's a quick little car. Despite its its appearance, she moves, and I think that it's going to make a really good rally car, and I'm really excited for him. But I'm also trying to convince him to let me drive it at least once. <laughs> so, you know, I'm talking really good about it right now, but, you know, one day I'll drive it, and I'll tell you if it really lives up to the hype or not. <laughs> dad gets the proper build uh. <laughs> yes I'll, I'll, once he's done playing with it I'll, I'll have my chance with it yeah. don't you worry well Henry thanks so much for uh, coming on the show and talking about uh, yeah y- y- your short history in rallying which has had a lot happen already um, <laughs> or in racing in general um, you know you've got you've got what I think a lot of people would have an entire career all in like a couple of years so um you know it's been exciting stuff watching you um you've been an awesome talent you've been a person that um i i think just because the way that your family is, has approached it and whatnot you you know you feel it you're a part of it you're not you're not just a person that um i don't know you're just you're not out there just driving you, you're you're involved um you know and you know you share that passion with others and it's obvious and and it's really cool so uh but heal up uh, I know you. it's, I know it's taking yes. time, but, uh, yeah, a, a number of us uh, sent you some little videos and stuff to uh, try and cheer you up as you were healing. Those, those um, videos, um, like, like the Ken block award, I had no clue they were coming and some of them were, were very memorable. Um, yeah. I'm looking at you, Mitch, uh, for his video that he sent. It was, a. Uh, it was a video of him in his bathroom. That's all I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, in classic Mitch Meadows style, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. You know, very, it definitely, it definitely cheered me up. It definitely, it definitely made me laugh. Um, but yes, all of the videos and all of the people that have reached out to me, I've, I've, I appreciate it a lot. I appreciate, you know, I, it, it means more to me than I could ever describe. Um, I'm just really bad at processing all of the outreach right now. Um, I've never been great, you know, trying to process uh, or trying to, you know, properly respond. And sometimes it takes me a while, but I, I see the messages. I see the comments. I'm, I'm listening and I'm, I'm out here 
I'm doing my best. Uh, I'm doing my best right now, and that's that's what I that's what I can do. So thank you to everybody for for reaching out. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, this was a great opportunity for me, and and my first time on a podcast like a, um before. So this is this has been a new experience, but I've enjoyed it a lot. It won't be the last you see of me, and and in all worlds, it's not the last time you're gonna see me. I will be back, and that's a promise. Jeff, any last questions? Uh, no, no. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been great. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you so much, Henry. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, talk to you again soon, bud. All right, thank you. All right, have a good night. Now, look at the smiles on these ladies. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was... Uh, made it through the water. That was a thing. That was definitely a thing. You could actually see through your windshield. Most people couldn't. Well, uh, that was because I am really good at the windshield wipers and then the switch it to defrost and crank her up as much as you can as you're going. And, and uh, yeah, it was uh, a hell of a thing out there. What, how about the weekend overall? I'm hoping we finish three-fifths. Three-fifths, huh? Yeah. Well, you burn one to the ground and you break that, the That's true. Three the out other. of five. Yeah. Okay. That's so, fair. So, Maddie... Um, I saw Maddie get started again. Or is she time-barred? I don't know. Okay. Well, I haven't I seen hope to her. see her. So, fingers crossed that we see her. Cause okay. Because she needs to she finish She did get started pretty late. Yeah. yeah. She needs to finish this event so that way she's not a novice. Oh, so, right. Fingers okay. crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. No, it was a good time. This was a good event. Mom and I had a lot of fun and... We're learning how to drive this thing really good now. So. That's awesome. <laughs> Got a little more Smurfette experience. Exactly. Exactly. All right. We'll see you later. Thanks, Mike. All right. Hello, Madeline. Hi. <laughs> you had, what an amazing rally. You went through so much. Oh, my God. It's, it's been a weekend, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I knew it was going to be rough, but I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> Definitely starting the weekend off with Dad's car fire was uh, yeah. a sad, sad way to start the weekend. But I said, you know what? Just got to go out there and just do it. And then you had a little drama of your own in the right corner? Yeah, I did. I um, We don't entirely know when it happened, but we pulled into service. And uh, we went to go switch the tires just front to back. And like the strut or some part of the suspension was just like... Womp. And we were like, well, that's um, not good. No, no, not good at all. <laughs> so we were, we were trying to fix it. I mean, we never noticed it. It was just kind of being held together by gravity. So we we're like, well, if you just don't jump, it's fine. And there's no jumps here, so <laughs> we're good. <laughs> um, and yeah, so we're like, okay. So we'll just we hammered some parts back out, made them kind of straight, put them back together. We were a little late, so we lost our position. But we we're like, you know what? We just need to finish. We did finish badly because I'm, I was still a novice. That's this right. This is my race that I needed to get out of novice, so I was I was itching to just finish. And I think saying you finish Olympus is just awesome, and I think not a lot of people here can say that they did. So especially not this one. No, this was, this was one of the longest, hardest ones in a while, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. I mean. I, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, that's all I can say. <laughs> Congratulations, you Thank two. You. Well done. We'll see you later. Thank you. Well, Henry, the car's in one piece. You made it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't get him. Yeah, well, you can, you can wait if you want. No, it's fine. <laughs> oh, my god. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. There you go. You did it. 
such a hard weekend. It was. We lost a car, we broke a car. Still finished. Press on regardless, that was for Craig and Ken and Al, everybody. Man, I'm I'm speechless. Um so many emotions. I I can't thank this guy Oliver enough for deciding to sit in the silly seat with me. <laughs> Man, I I think starstruck is the right word. I I don't know where we are in terms of position or points or I don't know. I'm just we made it. We gotta get it back to service and I can and get out and a big old hug. <laughs> Dude, you. you earned it. Well done. You pushed you hard all weekend. Fought all weekend long. You did good, amazing. Good job. Thank you, buddy. Love you, man. Thank you. Take care. Thanks again to Henry Tabor, and uh, sorry it took this one so long to get out. But in that time, the good news is Henry Tabor has gotten that neck brace off, and so he doesn't have to deal with that anymore. He's well on the road to a full recovery. Uh, Henry, that's a huge step, and uh, excited for you uh, to finally be able to move your head around like you want to and, uh, yeah, get the rest of your healing complete. An additional thank you to our audio editor, Derek Johnson-Love, for making us sound kind of good. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. And along with Jeff Sandvoss, reminding you, keep it shiny side up. seven-year-old it was my first rally it would have been six or seven at the time there is a bit of an age difference when i turned 15 being a kid you know i wanted to go play at the playground he's not growing up anytime soon life moves pretty fast you don't stop and look around once in a while you could miss it i find that really funny